Welcome. You are listening to the Spiritual Exercises. My name is Rachel Amaday. I am so grateful that you are here with me this week. I hope you enjoyed last week. Um, For all of you unpaid listeners, we are going to release the first in a series of interviews that I have started to do about COVID lockdowns and the stories of people in those lockdowns, believers, what they chose to do in times of hardship and how they made it through and why they chose to do it. And so we got to speak to Sydney O. She was a nurse when the lockdown started, and she had really some very interesting things to share about lockdowns themselves, about what was going on in her hospital uh, in a different state than where I'm at. She was in, I believe, um, Missouri, Um but a, a totally different location. What was going on in that hospital? The secret conversations nurses were kind of having about the mandates, et cetera, et cetera. So I think you will really enjoy it when that is released. Um, I, I hope that you will go take a listen and support her. She's a magnificent believer and a dear friend. Um, we will be bringing you more of those stories. So I'm excited about those interviews. I also have some interviews coming up. I just cannot wait for you to hear. We're going to have some fascinating perspectives on uh, things like dreams, you know, how to analyze dreams. What are dreams really trying to tell you? Why does God allow us to have bad dreams? Why would God allow into the life of the believer nightmares? Is it just psychological? And why would he allow that sort of torture? What are these things for? Uh, We're also going to interview someone who's done a lot of work in, um, Relieving people who have been part of satanic or occult ritual of oppression. And she is one of the most fascinating conversations I've had in the past year. I am excited to interview her and to bring you her perspective. A lot of the books she's written, that sort of thing. We're just going to have such an exciting couple months coming up here. Lots of guests. Uh, I'm thrilled to be able to finally start doing that. If you are unpaid and you are interested in receiving this content in a timely manner and not having to wait for it to be released, I would love for you to sign up for $5 a month. You can get all the extra content that we're going to provide. And you are helping me continue to grow this ministry and to continue to reach more people. Um, I am working on trying to find really effective ways to market this podcast to get more of this information out and to find great, fantastic guests who are going to want to spend the time with me. Um, So please consider uh, signing up for the paid version. Like I said, for the price of a cup of coffee, you are going to get more information, more interviews, more Bible studies, all of the above. Today, we are continuing in what I'm, I'm kind of calling the health series that I'm doing. I am not a, a health expert. I'm not a doctor. Um, I am not a naturopath. I'm certainly not a homeopathic person. I don't really even understand that particular line of work. Um, but I am someone who has done a lot of research. I am a researcher. I'm a journalist and done a lot of research into health and wellness and listened to a lot of the great thinkers out there in these realms and try to garner and pull together ideas that seem to match what scripture tells us about our own health. I think that in the end times, it's going to be incredibly important for the believer to be mentally healthy 
physically healthy, you consider the type of toll that an end times believer is going to have to take and where they're going to be able to rely on things. Listen, I'm not sure that the end times believer is going to be able to rely on the medical community or the medical establishment. I'm not sure if you can buy, if you can't buy or sell without the mark of the beast, how are you going to go see your doctor, right? How are you going to get your medications? All of those things, these are really heavy questions to ask and how, you know, when the Bible uses that in the end times, certain people will be reliant on their pharmakeia. Now, the word in some of our English translations for that is uh, our um, basically witchcraft. It's, it says witchcraft or sorcery, but the Greek word is pharmakeia. Now, it doesn't mean that we can't have a need for medications right now, you know, if you're diabetic, if you're someone who has any sort of need like that. Obviously, you're going to be taking meds, you're going to need them, it's, they're going to help you get through the day. But I wonder if we shouldn't be teaching our children how to prevent disease, how to use what God has provided. I, we call them God foods, right? The foods that the planet provides without man, mankind getting in there and adding chemicals and dyes and things that aren't food. Relying on proper nutrition, relying on an education and just understanding how to be mentally, physically, and psychologically healthy. And I think the Bible absolutely provides us with clues into all of these places in the human being that can give us some help. Now, you know, so I, I've decided to put myself to the test recently a little bit and um, put myself on the sort of diet that I think is really hard that I've tried in the past, not to lose weight, but actually to try to gain muscle. I'm I'm trying to become stronger for certain activities that I do with my kids and <laughs> I've been doing, I've been attempting to eat a lot of protein and vegetables and cut out almost everything else. And I have to tell you, uh, I, well, and I'll have some fats, some olive oils, some nuts, um, some vinegars, that sort of thing. Ladies and gentlemen, this is not so easy a task, especially in the United States of America. I'm not going to come at you and tell you that living the closest to just whole meats and plants and sometimes some dairy. I'm not going to tell you that that's easy because there are snack foods and processed foods and sugar everywhere. They are left and right. But I am going to say this. As I do it and as I attempt, I'm not doing it perfectly, but I am trying. As I attempt to do it, I am noticing lot, multitudes of beneficial changes to my sleep. Listen, my sleep patterns, number one. Those are definitely improving. Um, my workouts are improving. My stamina during the day, my energy during the day is improving. And most importantly, I will, I will say this just as an encouragement to you, my reliance upon thinking is improving. And, and let me clarify, when you are trying to improve your, let's say your diet in a culture like this, it is impossible, in my opinion, to do it without being present. And one thing that I often do is say to myself, I don't really need anything else right now. I am okay. I'm taken care of. God is going to take care of me. I'm well. And in, in his eyes, I have all that I need. 
And for some odd reason, doing that consistently throughout the day really changes my approach, my relationship with food. As someone who's had a negative relationship with food in the past, I cannot tell you how valuable a tool that is, that when you hand something to the Lord and then when you daily, sometimes every half hour, have to hand it to the Lord over and over and over again, something unique takes place. And even in this moment, having that feeling and saying that out loud is making me feel whole. Okay, so there's something about approaching everything you do every day, even right down to what you eat and by the way the Bible tells you to be conscientious about what you eat. It says this in Leviticus. It says there are things that are not food for you. It says to be kind to animals, which means we shouldn't be buying food or eating food where the animals were used and abused, right? The, The Bible tells you to do this, so you should already be starting to be more mindful about how you use things on the earth. But I will tell you, just doing that practice has changed my psychological outlook a lot of the time, a lot of days. So there are major benefits to beginning to become healthy, mind, body, and spirit. Not to mention that we want to teach our children these things. We want to be healthy for our children. We've gone over some things that if you've missed, I want you to go back to some of these health podcasts because we've talked about chemicals in some of our products that are causing people to not feel like themselves or not feel like they belong in their bodies or feel out of whack because when your hormones are off, all sorts of things can go wrong. So when we have phthalates and plastics in a lot of our food and our drink drinking water supply guess what happens to our kids as they go through hormone changes they feel like they're not a girl they feel like they're not a boy they start to think that they're not right in their own bodies and it could simply be a hormonal struggle because of all of the garbage in our food Now, that's a tragedy, right? But for the believing parent, for the parent that reads the Bible and loves the Lord, the word of God has already told you that plants are there for our healing and that we're going to be careful about our treatment of animals and we're going to be careful about what we put into our bodies because we don't want to defile our bodies. So you should already have that mindset. That mindset should be a part of your spiritual walk because God has said it. So it must be true. God has told told Adam to be the caretaker of the earth. We should care about the earth. If we know that plastics are bad for animals, why do we think that they're good for us? We've got to start understanding it does matter what we're doing to the planet. It does matter what we're doing to the soil. It does matter that people are messing with the seeds. The Bible says not to mix seeds. You're not even supposed to mix them in your garden. Can you imagine how egregious it is to the Lord that there are some companies that inject spider DNA into seeds to make them hardier or make them receive poisons better? This is something Monsanto has been doing for a very long time. We eat those products. What do you think that does in our bodies? Listen. These are things God commanded us not to do for a reason. He doesn't want us to destroy our food supply. And he doesn't want us to destroy the earth because the earth is incredibly regenerative. And we're going to find out today it's actually made for the expansiveness of humans. God created the earth to expand in what it produces alongside an expanding human population. This is so beautifully and miraculously designed. And we should stop 
wrecking it. Now, that does not mean that I believe the climatologists, the climate change people, I think a lot of what they've had to say, if you've been listening to my podcast, I've talked about this, a lot of what they've had to say about what we're supposed to do is actually very wrong and very destructive. But when we talk about pollutants in our soils and our food supply and poisons that we're spraying on plants and things that are meant to actually help the soil um, I mean, you think about if you live in an area where there's animals and you're spraying, spraying poisons and neurotoxins on all of your weeds, and then there's no animal, there's no rabbit, there's no deer, there's nothing in your community that could benefit from any of the plants that you have. Um, not to mention how the soil suffers when we do this stuff. Not to mention how those neurotoxins can get on you and they are cancer causing, hence why Europe has banned things like glyphosate in a lot of locations, banned um, some of the spray products that we use. They've banned them because they understand these things are eventually going to destroy our plant life and our soils. They're already doing that. Um, and you know, you may be listening to this and go, wow, she sounds like a, a crazy liberal. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you, I'm not. I've just been following this because I started to care about the earth more as I dug into what scripture actually told us about the beauty of creation. And so today, um, as part of our health discussion, I want to talk to you about that creation. I want to talk to you about how God made it for your healing. And if you're a person who is in a particular place of anxiety or depression or hardship right now, and maybe you're somebody who can't afford a therapist, who doesn't want to take medication, or who just feels too overwhelmed to even attempt to start trying, I have some solutions for you today that they're not going to be a total fix necessarily for you. But maybe there's some things you haven't tried yet that you could start trying, and you could start them today without a doctor without a doctor's note, without without any help from anybody else, God has made the planet to help you. Gosh, I love that about this God. I love how he made us from the earth and he made the earth. The earth was supposed to produce food for us without toil, right? This is something we learn in the Genesis story, that the earth was just going to provide for us without us having to fight it. And it wasn't until after the fall that we see that Adam had to work through the thorns and the thistles as part of the fall for his own good so that he could become more like God after um, obtaining the ability to sin and understand sin. He needed the challenge. Otherwise, he would become a monster. And so we have this problem that's also kind of a solution, but it's kind of a problem and it's hardship. But remember, the original intention of the planet was there was this beautiful symmetry and it was able to provide all that we needed. And so we are in a position to trust that that's God's ideal. And as people of God, we should be going after God's ideal. So greatness of God's creation. Now, as an artist, um, I have noticed human history has been filled with art that reflected the greatness of God's creation, whether music, you know, classical music or amazing painters of the past. Um, even Monet was reflecting in his own way, God's creation. Art now seems to be reflective of absolutely nothing but despair. And make no mistake, I think that that is a tool of the enemy. But the greatest art, in my opinion, is reflective of God's great creation because it's almost impossible to capture God's incredible 
creative abilities. And God continues to create, by the way. He has not stopped. He is still creating because it's part of his character. The animals, the mountains, trees, flowers, bees, and honey, right? What bees produce, sunshine, rain, skies, the rainbows. Think of all the amazing aspects of creation that inspire you when you see them. A gorgeous sunset can be a moment of peace after a long, hard, chaotic day. We have so much in creation that God has provided to soothe us, to bring us back into our minds and our bodies, to bring us back into um, union with the Holy Spirit, to bring us back to a place of listening and understanding, and to bring us to a place of physical benefit. So I have about six reasons why the planet was really made to bless us and ways that we can understand that blessing and ways that you can today use the blessing of creation that we have learned based on scientific studies will help you um, almost with, with almost any ailment you have. Now, there are stories from the early 1900s of nurses who, um, you know, were dealing with massive bouts of flu or illnesses, viruses, and stories of nurses who discovered that when they put their patients outside, those patients recovered more quickly than the patients they kept inside. Now, I remember as a child when I would get sick, wanting to go outside and sit in the sun. I always felt better when I did that, but I didn't know why. Now we know why, and we're going to talk about this. But first and foremost, the food that the planet provides, let's talk about this. In study after study after study, okay, synthetic foods continue to lose against whole foods. Even when you look at the most recent, uh, you know, beyond meat type of companies where they're making protein out of plants, if you've ever looked at the list of ingredients on those products, it is long and you have some things in there that you can't really pronounce, some, some items in there that are kind of unknown. They have to put a lot of garbage in those products in order to make them taste like and have the consistency of meat products. And so those products, those fake meat products are actually kind of failing right now for good reason. We've all now discovered they're not nearly as healthy for you. In fact, they, they in many cases are very bad for you compared to traditional sources of protein. So good grass-fed beef, good free-range organic chickens, um, regular sources of protein or whole sources where we don't have men getting in there and making chemicals in order to make something taste good are going to be far better. Now, you know, in the protein wars, if you have to do plant protein, a pea protein isn't so bad. Um, uh, soy protein is not good um, and can be very inflammatory for some people. Um, so the fake proteins really are failing people's health and failing people's immune systems. And so what we're kind of learning is mankind has yet to make a better product than what God has made. And this includes in, in the plant world, in, in everything, you know, when you have those great um, organic um, vintage seeds, they're going to produce completely different uh, amino acids and vitamins and minerals than the highly processed wheat flour that, you know, goes into most cheap uh, wheat products, that sort of thing. So we're just finding over and over again, the science 
the science has kind of <laughs> come to some consensus on this, not that that matters, right? Gosh, scientific consensus is not the way to go. But if you use logic alongside scientific consensus, you're probably going to come to this conclusion. What the earth produces for you is better than what mankind produces for you. And when I say mankind, I mean mankind going out into the earth, gathering things up, mixing it and blending it together in chemical processes with giant machinery, where you also get, you know, little traces of lead and traces of, um, oh, what have they found recently? I mean, they've found aluminum in pizza. They're, they've found all sorts of things. You're going to get all that because they have to use these strange products in order to keep things on shelves and grocery stores, in order to make things taste better, in order to make things look better. I mean, there's dye in a lot of salsas in the grocery store, and that's to make them look red, red enough for you to think you want to eat it. When you're eating some salsa, you're eating die. How gross is that? And how unnecessary. And yet, if you go look, I'll give you an example. I did this recently. There's a great beef dish that I make that uses banana peppers and those little sliced banana, banana peppers. I thought easy peasy banana pepper, organic banana pepper is not such a big deal. I was at a regular grocery store looking at the label on banana peppers. Every single jar had yellow dye in it. Every jar. And I went, oh my word, this is egregious. People think this is just a, a jarred vegetable. No, it's not. It has a chemical in it that's going to cause inflammation in your body. It's, by the way, it's not a food at all. You, dyes are not food. The food dyes they use are not food. Let me tell you this again. The food dyes they use are not food. They are pure chemicals. They do nothing but cause harm to your body. All right, so principle number one, synthetic food continues to lose in the health battles against whole foods. Not whole foods, the grocery store, whole foods from the planet. Pick an apple off a tree, have a, have a slice of beef for dinner, get out some spinach. Whole foods are going to win against your boxed, packaged, plastic covered foods every single day of the week. And that is because God is smarter than we are. We can't get over it. We can't get around it. Whenever we attempt to play God, we just can't make what he has made. It's just not happening. And so, listen, this is good news, by the way, right? The good news of that message is, I'm glad God is smarter than we are. Man, because if he wasn't, we're in a lot of trouble. I'm glad what he made for us that's lasted for thousands of years still continues to this day to be healthier than anything we've created. That means God's planning isn't at risk. He's a good planner. He knew from the very beginning what our bodies needed, and it's never changed. He has blessed the earth to make it produce for us when we work it. And so we have the ability to, especially in America, find and eat whole foods, and we will be healthier when we do that, even though I'm not going to lie to you, it's really hard. And yes, there are some products I really love to eat, like corn chips, um, that I have a hard time saying no to. But for the most part, attempting to eat God foods has greatly improved my health in a lot of ways. Guys, I've gotten rid of migraines through doing this. Um, 
I, like I said, right now I'm improving my sleep cycle. Sleep is the foundation of health. So, um, sleeping at night the way we're supposed to, um, there's a lot of studies now coming out about getting up early in the morning and seeing the morning sunrise, how it will reset your sleep cycle to be proper. And so getting that, um, sunrise light in your eyes is going to trigger your brain to start helping you sleep properly. Well, of course, God made us to get up with the sun right? We're supposed to sleep when it's dark. We're going to be supposed to be up when it's sunny. And so your body is aligned to the planet that God made you from. This is not shocking. This is the story of Genesis. We should understand this. Okay. Number one, synthetic food loses. Number two, soil is a great healer. Did you know this? I'm going to tell you about some research here. A meta-analysis of research published in the Journal of Preventative Medicine Reports found that gardening has a wide range of health outcomes, including reductions in depression, anxiety, and body mass index, as well as increases in life satisfaction, quality of life, and sense of community. Other studies show that gardening increases cognitive function and psychological well-being. This all may have to do with the reaction your body has to exposure to the microbes in the dirt. Those bacteria in the dirt can produce serotonin in the brain, increasing your feelings of satisfaction. If you're feeling really down, if you're feeling in a hard place and you, and, and let me put it this way, and you haven't sprayed your weeds with poison, okay, go out and pull some weeds in your garden, go plant some flowers, go dig around in your dirt because that dirt is going to trigger something in your brain to give you a little boost, a little boost of energy, a little boost of cognition, a little boost of mood that might help you get through, listen, the next half of your day. Sometimes that's about all you can do, but that's what you need, right? Now listen to this. Let's talk about soil because soil is brought up in the Bible. Very first, um, book of the Bible, Genesis. In Genesis 2, 7, it says this, and the Lord God formed the man from the soil of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. So there are two parts of us. There's this physical part that originated from the soil, originated from the earth beneath your feet. This is how God made you. Now, it's obvious now we're, you know, not scraped out of the soil to be made, but this is how Adam was created. Is it any wonder that the curse upon Adam um, was that he would have to fight with the soil? He would have to basically fight himself his whole life. So interesting. But you're made from this stuff. You're made to understand it, to be near it, not to be disconnected from it, but to know it and to know it well. And, and Jesus assumed that we would understand fields and soil. Here's how we know. This is how he told parables. So we're going to go over the parable in Matthew 13, 3 through 9. But just a real quick um, help for you. Parable actually comes from a Greek word that starts with an M that now is not on uh, Masal, maybe. Oh, it's escaping me. But it comes from a Greek word that actually really means proverb. Okay, so Jesus was teaching his disciples in parables or in proverbs, exactly the way that Solomon teaches his son and all of us in the proverbs. 
There's lots of stories. Now, Solomon's stories are a little bit different than Jesus, right? But make no mistake, Solomon's stories are very prophetic. And they talk about not only specific individual, you know, young men, young male issues, but those issues are also prophetic oftentimes of the end times. It's really interesting. Solomon's very wise proverbs. Yeshua comes back and he tells very wise proverbs. So let's go into this one. Okay, it says this, And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But other fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. He who hath ears to hear, let him hear. End quote. So let's go through some of the meaning here. But we're all we're talking about either a lack of soil, um, or what type of soil these seeds fell onto. And by the way, we're told in the Bible that the seeds are the word of God. Okay, so that word, where does it fall? And we people represent the different types of soil or the lack of soil altogether. Okay, so the first one. Um, when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside and the fowls came and devoured them up. Okay. Some people get overwhelmed by others and other information. There are fowls that are devouring any word of God that could have taken root anywhere, but these people don't even have soil. They can't understand the word at all. And so others come in and snatch it away with something more understandable. I think that this this part of this parable could also be attributed to those who over-intellectualize everything and are more taken with scientific dogmas of the day in order to seem intelligent. And so they have no spiritual understanding. They lack um, wisdom enough to know that they can't be the be-all end-all, that a God had to make the universe. They lack that wisdom. They lack that understanding. So there's nothing there to plant the seeds in. Now, there's a lot of people out there like this right now. They believe that science is their God. And by the way, those people, what this passage is saying is that place, that pathway, it's hard as a rock. There's just nothing there, right? The sower still spreads the seed, right? Still throws the seed. And by the way, that seed is beneficial to the fowl that come along and eat it, which I think is a study for another day. But it is interesting that something comes along and makes use of it, all right? All right, the second group of people here in our uh, study, some fell on stony places where they had not much earth and they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched because they had no root. They withered away. So some of the word falls upon the ears of kind of fair weather followers. They're overcrowded with lots of draws and pulls and gods. And so the seed kind of gets in there, right? It's in amongst all the other things going on and it springs up, but then it's destroyed by the exposure to the world and other desires. And I believe these are the many who may have grown up Catholic that we know, but walked away or go to church thinking that that act is all they needed to have relationship with God and those who say they believe in God but have no intention of obeying him. The line there is that they have no root. 
so they're not connected to the tree that God planted. These beliefs seem to fall away at the first sign of hardship or trial. They just can't survive the weather. They have no roots. They don't really understand their faith. They're not really that interested in it. What they learned was useless to them, so they don't have the the ability to dig any deeper. It's not deep theology. It's not rooted in anything. Their obedience is actually missing. And so, you know, they could believe for a time because it was expedient. But then when things get hard, they're out because they don't know the why. And I, I, I talked to so many Catholics who grew up and who said they were never told to read their own Bibles. They just went to the priest on Sundays and the priest told them what to think of the Bible. They never read their Bible. And so a lot of them, they don't go to church now and they've walked away and they're done with faith. And I think it's because they have no root. It's not real. It's not really rooted in relationship and obedience and understanding. They're, they're, the seed was thrown in a place where they believed that their relationship with God was through another human being. Um, just very rootless, right? There's lots of ways that this can play itself out. But I, I kind of imagined that when I was um, working through this and, and working through the biblical definition of what this parable says. The Bible actually defines for you what this parable means, by the way, which you can do some of that reading on your own. Some of the word falls on thorns. These are those whose worries and cares of life overpower their will to plant into God's kingdom. They're really interested in material growth and staying safe. The thorns of worry and wealth choke out the good that they could do for the kingdom and choke out any sort of root that could take place. And this is just pure materialism, right? They, they just can't, they can't follow the Lord. They're too worried about how it will look, whether it will cost them. They're more interested in um, the worries of the world. Those things will just, they'll just choke you to death, right? They'll just take all the life out of you. Those pursuits are always a dead end spiritually, and yet it's very easy to run down them. Now, the good soil is the one that produces lots of fruit, lots of good works for the kingdom, and a deep relationship with the Lord. Since we're made from soil and for that type of environment, is it any wonder Yeshua uses a story like this to describe the people in, his, in the kingdom, you know, the spiritual realm? We're soil. We're the soil here. It's a shocking recollection of the story of Adam and how he was formed from the soil. Remember, Adam was formed perfect. So God, God, there wasn't, it doesn't say that there were thorns in the soil or there was rocks. It says he was formed from the soil, right? So it was good earth. It, it had the ability to produce lots of fruit. It was perfect. It's interesting, right? Adam was made to be closest to how God's ideal was for creation. And so we need to be that soil and not rocks or pathways or thorns, something to really meditate on. How can I be that soil? When the word comes my way, do I take it in and let it take root? Or do I let other things distract me or choke it out of me? Or when life gets hard, do I abandon it because I don't want to sacrifice? By the way, this point is that soil is the great healer. It's a great healer. And science has shown that. So understanding soil, understanding not have, having, keeping your soil clean of poisons, um, using how God 
makes nature to work in your garden, all of that stuff, man, it can teach you so many beautiful lessons about your own spiritual life. So it's no wonder that being physically present with soil has a physical and biological benefit because it also has a spiritual benefit. Pretty amazing how God created it that way. The third point, trees and plants, but trees, especially because trees are giant. And so they have a huge effect in this regard. Trees emit chemicals to heal. Okay. I love this. This discovery was new to me in the last couple of years. It's so amazing. Trees emit something called phytons, phytoncides. I hope I'm saying that right. And they have antibacterial and antifungal qualities that help plants fight disease. When people breathe in these phytoncides, our bodies produce a white blood cell called natural killer cells. Okay? These cells are a type of immune cell that can kill cancer tumors and can kill cells infected with viruses. Whoa. Right? Hold on a second. You're telling me that breathing in these phytoncides that trees emit will help your body create cells that will destroy tumors and cancers and can destroy viruses in your body. I don't know how to describe what a big deal that is. Now, on what scale? I'm not sure. But think about this. We are so, in the last 100, 150 years, We live inside so much. We are inside these brick and mortar or metal buildings with some wood, but not a lot of access to anything living, right? We're in these buildings all the time. But our, you know, for thousands of years, mankind spent a lot of time outside. And even in this country, we had a very agriculturally based society where you were outside working with the ground, working among the trees, working with plants. And so lots and lots of people throughout human history have received these benefits. But in the last few years with our addiction to screens and technology, and especially for our children, my, my, for my, for our children, like, wow, our kids need to be outside. Um, and, and our fear of danger, we have gone inside and we have left the outdoors behind. But in the outdoors, you have something that daily could be helping your body protect itself from tumors and cancers and viruses. That's really kind of big, right? Um, these The chemicals that uh, these trees emit also positively impact blood pressure, cholesterol, heart rate, and the stress hormone cortisol. And in our culture, we have a lot of stress, so a lot of raised cortisol rates. There, It is no wonder to me that high-profile executives talk about nature retreats and going, and like a lot of them are obsessed with hiking and camping and outdoor events. It's because they naturally feel the benefits of being exposed to these elements. And so we all kind of naturally understand this, and yet we don't really use it to our advantage. We spend way too much time in front of screens and inside buildings, not nearly enough time out with plants and natural, um, in a natural environment that can help your body do what it's supposed to do. You were made from the earth, and you were made to be taking care of the earth. And then in return, you have food. And then you have all these natural benefits. Again, God's design is brilliant. He is so much smarter than we are. 
And we can give him all the glory and all the credit for this. We don't worship nature. We worship the one who made it to do all these things. Believe me, he knew when he made all, everything that there would be these unbelievably beautiful benefits that even after the fall, we would be able to receive if we would just glory in his creation, if we would just love what he has made. It's so interesting to me that we kind of glory in our own creation a lot. And everything is about what we know and what we think and what we think the science is saying and what we think the discoveries are. And we give ourselves all this credit. And it's not where the credit belongs. The credit belongs to God for every good and perfect gift that has been given. And so we can... Thank God for giving us these incredible benefits. All right, let's keep going. Point number four, sunshine is the best form of vitamin D. Listen, we've all been talking about vitamin D for a long time. Yes, it's good to have vitamin D levels at an optimal place so you can stay away from viruses, so you can fight them off better. Remember, you need to take K2 and magnesium to properly absorb vitamin D. If you're not doing that, you can actually kind of cause some damage. But listen, magnesium and K2 make it all work. Um, make it all work beautifully. You know, if you're eating those whole foods and if you're actually getting some exercise, your body's going to be able to use everything you take. But the best form of vitamin D isn't a pill form that you can get at the store. It's sunshine. All right. And here's a, here's something real, real interesting that I've known for the last couple of years, discovered it, just looked it up yesterday to confirm it again. Did you know that when you're outside your eyes, if you don't have sunglasses on, your eyes are taking in the exact amount of light that's in the environment. And that triggers a process in your brain that tells your brain exactly how much of certain chemicals to release to cause your skin to positively protect you from damaging UV rays of the sun and to use the vitamin D and all the other good things from the sun properly. Did you know that? It's actually through your eyes that your brain is triggered to do this properly. So guess what happens when you put on sunglasses? Your brain is no longer properly triggered. And so you are far more likely to damage your skin wearing sunglasses in the sun than if you didn't wear them. I had no idea about this until a few years ago. And then I thought, well, of course, of course, because God designed everything with purpose. So he didn't make you with natural sunglasses over your eyes when things are sunny. He actually made your eyes to take in that light properly and to trigger the brain into doing some special things to help your body use the sunlight properly. It's a miraculous system. Praise God for he is so brilliant. Okay. So you want to get your 20 minutes of sunlight and your vitamin D every day. My recommendation to you, do not wear sunglasses. Okay. So by the way, there even pediatricians are now recommending do not slather your children with sunscreen all summer long. Every day they need 20 minutes of natural sunlight that will keep them from psychological problems that will keep them healthier, all sorts of issues. After the 20 minutes, if you got to slather on, you know, the chemical sunscreen, go ahead and do it. Um, or use a natural sunscreen, which is what we do when we're going to be at the pool all day, but let them have at least 20 minutes of that light and that will do its trick in getting them the right amount of vitamin D and helping them to process all sorts of things properly. And it's going to benefit your psychological, your mental health. Okay, just uh, just another one. By the way, vitamin D levels greatly affect depression, anxiety, 
you name it, all of the above. Vitamin D is kind of this essential key to a lot of processes in the body. You need it. You need sunshine. So get your sunshine every day. Take your sunglasses off. Do at least 20 minutes. See what you feel like in a couple weeks. See if you feel differently. Um, I guarantee you, you, you're going to because study after study is proving that out. But again, we're not made to hide from the sun like little scared, you know, I don't know what has to hide from the sun. Can't think of anything right now. My brain's on too many other things, but we're not supposed to hide from it like cave trolls or, you know, hermits. We we're actually made to be in the environment that God, God put on the earth. Now, there's some locations like the North Pole where, you know, human beings never really went and lived for a reason. There are definitely particular locations on the earth where, you know, those places exist for other reasons that keep the earth going, not necessarily for human beings to be um, long term. But if you live in a normal place where you can go outside as a human being some of the year, um, you know, go get your sunshine. It really is helpful. It will be a blessing. And I know lots of people out there have skin cancer. Lots of people have a fear of a spe- around the sun and around this issue. And, you know, there's the whole aging aspect as well. But I'd rather be happy, get my 20 minutes of sunshine. Maybe I age my face a little bit, but I'd rather be happy every day of my life than be seeking beauty and youth and miserable, which by the way, that, that pursuit really does make you miserable because someday you're going to be old. And you're not going to, nothing you do is going to make you look better. It's going to start making you look worse. That's a discussion for another day. All right. Number five, there are animals that God made that can connect with us at almost spiritual levels. Sometimes it feels completely spiritual. You know, we just lost um, my favorite dog I've ever had. We had him for a little over 14 years. A huge blessing to our family. Smartest dog in the world. And I'll tell you, when I was alone or being a single mom, uh, living by myself, he, gosh, he brought so much joy to me. And he knew, he was so sensitive to my spirit and to what was going on with me. He knew that I bought him as a guard dog against men. So for a very long time, he was very guarded with men. He did not like them. He would always bark and tell me when a man was coming to the door. He was wonderful in just picking up on what I was looking for and what I needed and at any given time, super gentle with my kids, um, just brilliantly playful. We would play this game called balloon where he would hit a balloon with his nose back and forth to us. We would pop it back to him and then he'd pop it back to us. He used to run to the top of the stairs and throw a sock off the stairs and run down and catch it. He was really fast. He'd play all these games with us and with himself. I mean, he was just brilliant. And studies have shown there are some dogs that have like a three-year-old, four-year-old level of cognition and understanding and of verbal understanding. So I think he could actually understand a lot of what we were saying and was able to respond to what we were talking about. He always knew when we we were talking about him because he would always get present whenever he was being spoken about. And boy, he brought me joy. And he brought me lots of comfort at times. There, study after study shows, you know, using horses for therapy or having a dog for a lonely elderly person to pet improves mood, decreases depression, can help with anxiety. Look at how God gave us animals that could provide that. And who knows all the reasons why? Is it that taking care of a creature brings us joy? Maybe because we're built to work that way, right? 
Is it that certain creatures, the ones especially that we're not supposed to eat, like dogs and horses and, and other creatures like that, is that they're made in a special way that they have intelligence, they have a spirit to them. And, you know, so God doesn't want us eating them. God wants us to enjoy them or to use them for work or, you know, to just enjoy them in nature. Maybe. I don't know. But I do know that the animals are here as a blessing to the earth and to us, and we gain unbelievable benefit from their presence. And so we should very much care that they are taken care of properly, that they have good lives, that they are blessed in their living, and that we're doing everything right. And um, animals are here to actually teach us a lot of principles as well. If you think about how in the Old Testament with the temple, people would have to bring the most perfect lamb, right, the most perfect animal from their flock as a sacrifice to the Lord. Now, you know, just a reminder, most of the time the Levites ate these sacrifices. They were food for the Levitical priesthood. But the idea was that you were going to have to give up your most precious thing because of the fallen state of the world and the fallen state of man and the fallen state that we're in. Um, You know, the sacrifices they would have to bring had to do with sins of omission, um, you know, the Levitical priesthood had to have sacrifices covering them so that they could do their priestly duties, um, as a gift to the temple for different activities, different things that, uh, needed to take place. There was no sacrifice that I can find for intentional personal sin against the Lord, but there was national sin sacrifices, etc. And think of how brokenhearted you would be, especially when you're young and not used to it, to have to bring that perfect lamb that you loved the best. And it teaches us a principle that God had to sacrifice his best on our behalf. The very best that there ever was had to lay down its life in order for all to receive life. And that that's the wages of sin. That's the wages of the fall. That's just not God's will, but it's what is. It's what had to take place. You know, it's God's will that none should perish, right? It wasn't God's will that Adam would would sin. It wasn't God's will that Eve would sin. It's just the consequences of what took place. And no, I don't believe, listen, I, I'm not going to go hammer people about being born into a world they never chose to be born sinful into a sinful world. You don't, you don't get the choice. You're thrown here as a test, right? To see, will you choose God and will you get to be, have eternal life? Because now, now that the fall has happened, we still want life to propagate and continue. But now there has to be a testing for those who will gain eternal life, who will be able to get there. And it isn't through our perfect walk with God that we get there. It's through Yeshua's blood. But the status in the kingdom is certainly through our walk with God and certainly through obedience. And those who would look around the earth and be able to understand that a God exists and would trust in a God that would sacrifice himself, would trust in a God that wanted human beings to thrive, would trust in a God that tells you to take care of the earth and take care of the animals, would trust in a God who would give you routes to becoming closer to him, even as hard as they are, that you would value closeness with God more than you would value your little lamb's life. It's a tough lesson. It's tough. But in the end, God uses it and redeems it all and is going to make it all new. Anyways, my fifth point, the animals, they were made for your enjoyment and pleasure. They were made for you to learn from, 
to understand and to take, you know, to have a merciful take with. All right, my sixth point today on how the earth was made to make you feel better, make you live better, to help you be healthy, is that the planet was made to use up more carbon dioxide. This cycle, this system that God has made is so beautiful. Think about this. The plants take in, you know, they use carbon dioxide to grow. We need oxygen. The plants give off oxygen so we can have more oxygen for us. So with the expansion of humanity, we're emitting carbon dioxide at greater and greater rates, which means more and more plants can grow and be healthy, which means more and more oxygen can be released for us. There is a symbiotic relationship between us and the planet and our expansion in the planet. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. We are not overpopulated. That is garbage. God made this place to expand, to take care of us. It is why before the COVID lockdowns, we had the lowest number of people in poverty uh, ever in the history of when we'd been looking at it and studying it, even though we had the highest number of people on the planet. It is because with the spread of God's kingdom, with the spread of an understanding of capitalist, how capitalism works, and with the expansion of humanity, the earth will expand to take care of what's there. The issue of taking care of people has nothing to do with the earth's capability, and it has everything to do with mankind's corruption and mismanagement and degradation and destruction of our food sources, uh, our wars, you know, you name what we do, we're destroying the opportunity to take care of the poor at every turn, but that's really on us. That's not what God built into the planet. And so we know that the planet was made to bless human beings because everything about how it operates is in a symbiotic relationship with us in our natural state. Um, but when we're sinful, when we're wicked, when we're evil, when we're power hungry, when we're greedy, uh, that's when we do a lot of damage to other people and to animals. And um, we have proven to be very capable of that. We continue to do that. But for the believer, for the believer, know that this earth absolutely can sustain and take care of you and that God desires you to take care of it as the treasure that it is, and to use it for the benefits it can provide for you psychologically, mentally, physically, psychologically. And then, of course, spiritually, because when you look at it, you are going to be reminded of your great creator and all of the gifts he has poured out on your life. I hope today has been a blessing for you. I love this topic. It is always fun for me to review it. Uh, I will be back with either another person to interview or some more content for you later this week. Until next time.